Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Mado, joined as always by Chris Bougay. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's going on, Rachel? Not too much, you know, just kind of easing my way into summer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easing, that's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> I know. Actually, am I easing? I'm not sure. feels like it's been a, a really stressful time, um, but I'm trying to like, you know, just slow it down, even though I work through the summer, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, you know, I'm not like off for the summers and I always am so jealous of school-based SLPs who have the summers off. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to just like, I feel like this whole pandemic has been really crazy for my practice and trying to figure things out. And I feel like finally I'm like slowing it down a bit and just like, you know, taking my foot off the gas pedal, we'll say. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I do. I'm a 12 month employee as well, and it never ends for me. And uh, vacations are big question marks right now. Like, you know, every year we um, all my old high school friends actually since third grade, they've been my friends since third grade. Uh, we get together at a lake once a year. And it's this this grand thing for a week. You know, it's just super fun. And it's a big question mark right now if we're going to do that. How can we do that? How could we possibly do it safely? You know, uh, so but Let's talk about some fun things, okay? Let's do it. All right. So I was thinking of you the other day because this situation came up, and I thought it might be fun for you to play with me in this situation, okay? So here's the deal. Um, while I'm telling you this story, would you mind bringing up uh, Google? Just just going to Google. No Is tricks. this a trick? No, no tricks. Trick? No games. No. Are you I mean, sure? This is, this is a game, but it's it's like a game, but it's not a trick. So okay. No well, pranks. No pranks. For you, <laughs> for you, I have to I have to question. I know better now to trust that you're not trying to prank me. Here's the story. Here's the story. So, um, you know how my kids and I play Dungeons and Dragons, right? And we play with different um, different family members or different friends, and now we've all been, you know skyping in or zooming in or you know doing some sort of video conferencing thing right so here's the deal so here was the situation uh my kids and their friends were these are a bunch of heroes right and where they were they were in a jungle okay and they were standing underneath a pirate ship that had uh some sort of ancient pirate ship that somehow got trapped in this jungle was turned upside down so i don't remember the old tv show lost there's like a pirate ship that that shows up in lost or like some sort of ship like that same deal right so if you can imagine these heroes um these fantasy heroes underneath a ship in a jungle and um these little creatures came out of the ship and they were called veggie pygmies okay so veggie pygmies are these little vegetable creatures with arms and legs um but like picture like a carrot with uh leaves coming out of its arms and coming out of its coming out of its sides as arms and coming out of its bottom as uh legs and so but the torso is a and the face is a carrot you know and then there's mm -hmm. tomato one and there's a turnip one and so there's this tribe of veggie pygmies that come out they're living in the ship right where am i going with all this what are we talking about here with the veggie pygmies right who, who knew you'd even hear that term today in the podcast right i didn't <laughs> but what happened was the kids started um the veggie pygmies speak veggie pygmy and they don't speak the same language as these particular heroes right 
So uh, they ended up making friends with the veggie pygmies, and they were trying to get the ship turned around, and they wanted to make the ship fly. Like, imagine uh, inflating these balloons, and the ship would now lift up into the sky, and the veggie pygmies would help them with this whole endeavor, right? But what, uh, what, what popped up in the middle of this was that they wanted to communicate with the veggie pygmies. And they said, over the week that we're working with these veggie pygmies, we're friendly with them, but we're trying to communicate. Could we learn veggie pygmy? Like what, what we learn. And so um, I had them, and this is why I asked you to bring up Google, is I had them roll a dice and then add what we call it a modifier. Like so you, your your characters have different scores. So you have like a strength score and that's how strong you are. You have a dexterity score and that's like how fast you are. And one of the scores is um, like a wisdom score, an intelligence score. And so anyway, I just had them roll a dice. So that's why I brought up Google because you can actually do that in Google. If, uh, if you wanted to roll a dice here, Rachel, you could say, uh, roll D20, um, and it would give you a number, right? In this case, I had them roll a little bit less. So let's say D12. So can you type that in? Roll D12. Perfect. And what comes up? You rolled it. So you see it comes up with a little dice roller thing, right? Mm -hmm. They actually take the physical dice and roll them. But if you click, press on that 12, because that's like a 12-sided dice, Okay, so you rolled a 7 out of 12, right? And so when they rolled their dice, I asked them to come up with, okay, give me seven words. Over the week that you were with them, these veggie pygmies, you learned seven words or whatever they happened to roll on their dice, you know? You huh. rolled a 7 there, Rachel. So, so what would be your seven words if you had a week? And it was such a great little experiment for the kids because they had to think like, well, what words would I want them to, 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 to learn? And, you know, what words would I want them to teach me so I could communicate most effectively when we're eventually flying over the jungle in our ship? You know what I mean? Yeah. So what... Okay, Rachel, here you go. You got seven words. You're now one of the heroes that are on the ship talking to veggie pygmies. And because you rolled a seven, what would be your seven words that you'd go with? Wow. Okay. So uh, I, I, this is the veggie pygmies are talking to each other. The veggie pygmies are wanting to talk. So you're working with the veggie pygmies for uh, a week. And while you're with them, they're trying to teach you their language. So you are going to learn because uh, you rolled a dice to see how many words you would learn. And because you rolled a seven, you get to learn seven words. So in the future, now you'd know these seven words, you'd be able to use them with the veggie pygmies. They'd understand you when you tried to, I mean, your accent would be terrible. I mean, you're not an expert in veggie pygmy, Rachel. But uh, man, am I nerding out on you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm literally like we're so like in nerdville that i don't even know how to get out <laughs> here's how you get out you tell me seven words what would be your seven words if you were um because that's what i asked the kids to do is like okay give me seven words and they also like they wrote down what these seven words are well it, i should say i had them roll a dice and then then they got to you know if they got a four then they had four words if they had and they each made their own list you know First of all, let me just say I had no idea that Google had the this dice capacity. So game changer, game changer. Um, circling back to my veggie pygmy words, <laughs> I feel like a good one would be go, right? Yeah, totally. Like go. I think so. Okay. Um, uh, stop. There you go. Okay, go and stop. Feels like another good one. Mm -hmm. um, yes and no. Um, although, well, can veggie pygmies gesture? I would think they do, they can, yes. 
Okay, so maybe not yes and no, because we can use gestural communication for yes and no. A head nod and shake. Um, we need to be strategic if I only have seven. Huh, what else? Um, I've also just thought of pronouns. So I was like, you. But then I also was like, we could gesture for that. I could point. Like, you. <laughs> um, maybe, I don't know. Take? Maybe take. Take it? Mm -hmm take i guess it just depends on like what are these veggie pygmies doing and like what do i need to do with them <laughs> like what kinds of activities are going to be doing together well you would be flying a ship together over this vast jungle exploring the jungle together landing in different places and they'd help you fly the ship and we didn't want to the, the kids didn't want to they needed the ship but they didn't want to kick them out of their home these veggie pygmies are living in this ship you know so they said hey you want to come with us you know um help us fix the ship and we will take you on massive adventures veggie pygmies you don't have to live this isolated uh life here in the jungle mm -hmm. you know i think another one would be now and later mm, now and later because i feel like you can tell somebody you want to do something, but you need to know when. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's some immediacy there. Like, That's cool. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is uh, this is interesting, but I like where you're headed with this because as you, you can see, I'm using mostly core words, actually all core words, I believe. Well, that's what, it, that's what was fascinating to me is I really wanted to see what the kids would come up with. You know, these are kids that, I mean, two of them are my own kids, so, but they wouldn't really know what core vocabulary are. I mean, they, um, they've certainly seen, you've, you've heard my daughter on the podcast talking about how she uses AAC, but I don't think she looks at those words. She just accepts these are the words on different AAC devices. She doesn't think, well, why are these words here or why aren't different words here, you know? So them really coming up with it, um, you know, it's a great little exercise. So how about we leave it this way, Rachel? Let's ask the listeners to participate in this little activity, right? You are a hero that is in the jungle with these veggie pygmies. You go over to Google, roll a 12-sided dice. Again, it's roll D12. Whatever the result, go ahead and post it in the Facebook group. Say, I got a nine, and then post what your nine words would be. Like, I, as you're walking around listening to this podcast, or you're on the treadmill, or you're doing the dishes, wherever you listen to this podcast, pause it and think about it. What would my nine words be if I just met somebody from a different culture and I really want, needed to communicate with them? What would be the first words that I want them to learn? I think it's an interesting exercise in linguistics and it really helps you think about what core vocabulary, the power of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like getting really strategic. I was just on a coaching call before this and, you know, especially when we're working with children with complex communication needs, because like learning a single word for some kids is so challenging. Just one word. Some kids, they pick words up quickly and, you know, that's not the kids I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, wow, it took us, you know, six weeks or two months to learn the word open. So when we're thinking through that lens, we really need to be strategic about the words that we're selecting, which is why core vocabulary is so important because we can choose words that have lots of different uses throughout a child's day. Um, you know, but thinking about this kind of forces you to be strategic, right? When you think through a lens of, I only have a certain amount of words, you kind of heard my thought process. I was like, well, could I use gestural communication? Like then I might not use yes and no. Um, so it's really fascinating to think through that lens and to really get strategic about what words would you choose if there was a finite amount, which shows, you know, how you can start 
prioritizing vocabulary because I think, um, you know, eventually, yes, we want to teach kids all the words, but we really have to be strategic about how we prioritize those words so that we can have, you know, immediate success and kids can be motivated and they can be integrated into, you know, a child's life. So very interesting, Chris. I love yeah, this game. it's a fun game. little game, right? And, and uh, it's it's often that these little things pop up in my little Dungeons and Dragons group with the uh, with the different students and different um, kids that we play with. That it's amazing how many times uh, through story these sorts of elements that happen in real life kind of overlap, you know, which is kind of cool. Now there is something else I wanted to bring up, switching gears, and that is last week you and I were talking about uh, reciprocity among states when it comes to licensure, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about how you are licensed in Pennsylvania and California and you're starting these groups, And uh, but if you were doing therapy, it could really be only those two states, right? So um, I had recalled... um, you know, over the week of reflecting on this, that I had seen like a PDF somewhere of, well, what are those rules based on each state? In fact, I can't remember where I saw it. It might actually have been Lucas um, from one of our uh, sessions that we did with him um, towards the beginning of this pandemic when Mei, Mei Ling asked us to um, to get together. I can't remember if exactly if it was Lucas. I'm uh, Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. If it was you, Lucas, I apologize for not remembering, but I am giving you all full credit because it's not totally something you would send me. Um, uh, so I tried to say, well, where was that? And I, it, here's the deal. It actually exists right on the front page um, of the ASHA website. So if you go to asha.org and um, there is a link at the very top that says telepractice resources. And when you click on telepractice resources, there is a list of a whole bunch of resources. And the, like, the, there's three big categories. One is what to know before you provide telepractice. The next one is state regulations. And then there's something about telepractice reimbursement. And there are two PDFs uh, in the state regulations uh, area, state-by-state tracking of laws and regulation for telepractice and licensure policy, and state-by-state tracking of laws and regulations for school-based telepractice. So uh, I clicked on one of these PDFs, and because like, I'm like, well, is this what was sent to me? And sure enough, it breaks it down, just as, just as the name describes, state by state. So you can look through here and decide, ooh, well, what other states could I be licensed in? What states are accepting reciprocity? You know, um, This might be a good resource, not just for you, Rachel, but for anyone else who's trying to do kind of the same thing. I love this. I had no idea that existed. Um, I think that it makes sense, right, given the circumstances that we're all kind of faced with right now. I'm also interested to see how this evolves. And it sounds like ASHA kind of has a pulse on what's happening state by state. And yeah, really interested to see how over time that changes potentially um, and what an impact. I've been trying to wrap my head around, you know, what would that look like? Um, It's interesting to think about when you know you don't have the the state you know lines anymore um or potentially i know we still have them but yeah it's really fascinating um thank you for sharing that i have to definitely put that on my to-do list to look at Um, one of the things i immediately notice about looking at this pdf is that it was updated yesterday so that really shows me that um that they're on top of it and they're updating it frequently love it love it so chris should i tell you about our episode today Yes, let's hear all about the episode. Does it have anything to do with veggies? 
Um, no, it doesn't. Um, besides the beautiful banter in the beginning, we just did. Um, so I interviewed Gemma White, who is a speech language pathologist, I believe in New York. I know she's on the East coast. Um, but we talked all about growth mindset, which I feel like is a fancy kind of buzzword these days, um, in education. And, um, she and I talked about it through the context of core word vocabulary. Uh, what, what is that? I see Chris. So right here in my closet, I have a small little library of kind of my go-to books. And one of them is Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, How We Can Learn to Fulfill Our Potential by Carol Dweck. And Carol Dweck is the person that sort of uh, kicked off this concept of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And Rachel, uh, I'm, maybe you get into this in the interview because I haven't listened to it yet. We were literally having this discussion with my daughter to this morning. Uh, I was coming out of the shower and I heard my wife talk about how my daughter's like, I'm just not good in math. I'm just not good in it. I'm really, I'm not, I'm just not good. And what we always say is, you know what word to put on the end? Yet. Yet. You're not good at it yet. That's how you build up this growth mindset. And we say there is no such thing as being good or bad at math. It is you um, get better at it. With It might take you more time than other people. It might You might need more tools. You might need more effort. But um, there isn't someone who's just good or bad at any particular thing. It's just how much time you need to put into it. Exactly. And I thought this was really interesting thinking through the lens of core vocabulary. So I won't spoil the interview because we go in in a deep dive about growth mindset and core vocabulary. Um, Gemma actually is going to be presenting at AAC in the cloud on this specific topic. So I'm really excited to see when uh, her webinar is. I believe it's June 24th, which is a Wednesday. So definitely check that out. Um, I'm excited to kind of uh, listen to her talk about it. The interview was wonderful. And I'm so happy she actually reached out. She's like, have you ever heard of this? And I was like, no, but like, let's talk about it and let's record that talk. Um, So that's kind of how the interview came to be. Um, Chris, I know you're presenting at AAC in the cloud as well, right? I I am. Yes, I'm doing stuff on uh, robots and coding. Uh, So, you know, we've had whole episodes on that and I've mentioned it before. So if you are interested in that, check it out. That is the Tuesday. So I think it's the 23rd, June 23rd. But of course, AAC in the cloud is also recorded. So you can always watch these afterwards. Sounds awesome. I mean, I think that definitely people can learn a lot from you, Chris, as far as coding and robots. I know for sure I have. Um, And it's such an interesting take on core vocabulary and language. And it's really engaging. Kids are really excited about these things and these types of technologies. So we might as well capitalize on that and figure out how to teach language. Now, what about you? Are you presenting at AAC in the cloud this year? I know you just did something for kind of a preemptive AAC in the cloud on telepractice. We've mentioned that many times, and I know it's got a lot of views on YouTube. <laughs> it sure has. Wow. I still am getting emails. Uh, people from all over the world have seen that webinar because um, I get people that say, I saw your webinar. I'm in Singapore. Um, it's really, really cool to see what a reach that's gotten, and I think it's just a testament to People want to know how to support AAC through telepractice. Um, But yes, I actually am going to be co-presenting with Lauren Enders, which I'm really excited about. We've been talking about presenting together for a really long time, and it's finally coming to fruition. Her and I, I feel like both have a love uh, and passion for really fun apps and engaging activities. And so basically that's what we're going to be talking about all, you know, with 
through the lens of telepractice and remote learning, what kinds of really, um, you know, exciting and motivating games and um, apps and, you know, Chrome extensions and all these things that you can use in your therapy to get kids engaged through screens. Um, so I'm really excited to, to, it was a last minute decision, um, but I'm excited to, to join the AAC in the cloud um, for a second, a second go around this year. Um, so yeah, I don't know what day it's going to be. Cause I literally just, we just got together yesterday and I was like, sure, let's do it. Um, but yes, I will be presenting with Lauren Enders for AAC in the cloud. So without further ado, let's hear your interview with Gemma White. People all over the world need augmentative and alternative communication. Despite the global need, some areas of the world don't have access to the same resources as others. Low-tech AAC can be a functional, cost-effective way to bring communication to more people universally. Low-tech tools are also used widely by high-tech AAC users to have a backup or alternative means to communicate. These low-tech tools often get torn, crushed, crumpled, soaked, or otherwise destroyed easily. They aren't often made with durability in mind. Enter PixiePal, a durable low-tech solution. Place printed symbols in transparent plastic containers called Pixie Snaps, which fit snugly into a portable carrying case. Each case allows for three double-sided Pixie Snaps, giving people six surfaces to interact with. The carrying case acts like a book, allowing a user to flip between multiple pages of symbols. This innovative design makes PixiePal the perfect, portable, customizable, and splash-proof low-tech solution. You can check it out for yourself by following at PixiePal on Facebook. But that's not all. PixiePal has partnered with some amazing organizations, such as the Nika Project, the Kaizora Center, OIC Cambodia, and many more to help bring functional and affordable AAC to anyone in the world. PixiePal has been a UNICEF Champions of Children supporter since 2019. The first generation of PixiePal is blue, in tribute of UNICEF's work worldwide. A PixiePal crowdfunding campaign has already launched. You can follow, comment, and share the initiative by going to PixiePal.com. That's P-I-C-S-E-E-P-A-L.com. That's pick like picture, see like with your eyes, and pal like a friend. Send them a direct message and register your interest for one of the first PixiePals ever made. Each time a PixiePal is purchased, another PixiePal will be donated to one of these trusted partners. The goal is to donate 1 million PixiePals worldwide. To join us in being part of this global movement, go to facebook.com backslash PixiePal and hit the follow button to help bring AAC to everyone in the world who needs it. Welcome to Talking with Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Needle, joined today by Gemma White. Gemma, I'm so excited that you came on today to talk with us. Thank you for having me. Of course. So just take a second and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to do what you're doing. Thank you. Okay. My name's Gemma. I grew up in London where I went to university to become a speech and language therapist. I've been living in New York for 18 years and then I did classical pecs a long time ago, and then saw how limited that was. And we went on to really discuss, like I went on to sort of explore like a Dynavox and I had a kid who had a Dynavox and it was great. And I had a lot of success with children on the autism spectrum, which is really what my focus of practice has been. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I guess to take a step back, I started working in like integrated youth clubs when I was 13 years old and have continued to work on children on the autism spectrum my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the iHeart happened and things changed completely um, in terms of funding, in terms of access to technology. And I just saw great things happening. So my clinical experience with AAC has just grown. And at this point, my private practice really revolves around both AAC and feeding. I mm-hmm. look very holistically at kids and those are the children with complex communication needs. Those seem to be the two areas that over the last 20 years of practice I've focused on. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You're also from, so you're from London. Yes. Or the UK. And yes. um, you've been living here for how many years? 18 years. Wow. I got married. Yeah, I got married and moved over with my husband. He's from Texas. Um, and I've been working here the whole time. I've had to do, you know, the conversion. But yeah. So I, I have to say, I'll, I'll tell you, our listeners how we came to find each other. Um, Gemma reached out to me and she asked me a question that I had never been asked before, which was how are we using core vocabulary to support a growth mindset? So we're going to deep dive into that conversation a little bit because I think it's fascinating. I've never thought about it until Gemma brought it up to me. Um, So first, Gemma, let's start off by just telling people who may not know what is a growth mindset. So the idea of a growth mindset is that our brains can grow and that when we make mistakes and we try, our brains grow more. Mm-hmm. And that when we really identify those two concepts and we talk about having a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset, which is something that Carol Dweck identifies, and she really, you know, so is that the fixed, I, 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 oh, like the idea of a growth mindset is that, you know, that intelligence and personality and abilities can grow and change and develop as opposed to like a fixed mindset where like people think that these are like fixed ideas. Mm-hmm. So, I think that that applies to children with complex communication needs also to have like an idea that when you identify that you are learning and that you teach children that they can grow and you show them their mistakes, how that grows and develops. And so just to clarify, this is something that we try to foster in the students that we work with is this idea of a growth mindset. So this, a growth mindset is something that an individual possesses, right? So like, it's the belief that I, Rachel Madel, can grow and change. I can make mistakes and evolve over time. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And there are, there's lots that's been done with sort of recent functioning, functional um, MRI imaging where they look at people actually doing math problems. It's really cool. And when, they whiz through the mass problems, nothing really happens. But when they make a mistake and they look at the mistake and they realize that mistake and they fix that mistake, like things start lighting up. Wow. So that when you realize that you have made a mistake and you've identified a path forward, you're growing and changing and developing. So how that applies to our children on a very different level, I think is really important and something I started to delve into literature. I know that people... I've asked this, if anybody's on you know, the SIG-12, since one of the Facebook groups, I'm new to Facebook, but I'm, I'm trying. But I put a question out there, but nobody really answered me. So I started to do some literature reviews and just for my own idea. And there was somebody who did a study that looked at growth mindsets with children with special needs. 
and they looked at it in terms of not academic gains, but in terms of was there a motivation? Did they see a motivational difference? Mm. And so children who were given a gross mindset intervention, sort of an adolescent age, showed that they were more motivated um, than other students. Which is huge because we know that motivation is, I'd say, you know, the very top, right, of importance when we're talking about inspiring kids to communicate with us, um, there obviously has to be that motivation um, to learn how to communicate, to learn in general. And so that's amazing to hear that, you know, a growth mindset intervention could increase motivation because that's really what we need, right? For a lot of the kids, especially, you know, the kids that I work with who have autism, um, motivation is fleeting. It sometimes feels like it's not even existent sometimes. Um, So that's so wonderful to hear that. So it's interesting. I definitely hear from you. I hear that you're like a cheerleader to these kids, right? It comes across in, in, in your philosophy. But I think that within a growth mindset, it's more than just that. It's the idea of fostering like an environment where the children can be brave to make the mistakes and then creating the language of constructive feedback where you can then sort of challenge individuals in terms of feedback, sort of what did I do right? And so specific feedback, we know that when we're giving feedback to people, it's very specific. It helps like the more specific you are, the better a child is able to like retain, like retain that information. Like mm-hmm. if that's an articulation thing, you know, I love how you rounded your lips, right? Mm-hmm. If that's a language go, I love how you identified that letter. If it's a social mm-hmm. thing. I love how, you know, you were just close enough to that person, whatever the goal is, but the more specific the feedback we're giving somebody. So feedback goes into the growth mindset because you have to be able to accept that criticism, mm-hmm. right? If that has, you have to be open to, to, to that. And then you want to be able to move forward from that. So you want to help create a path beyond where, you know, where, where the error was. And that's where being a good therapist, you know, creates the scaffolding for that. So let's kind of take a few steps back. What does supporting a growth mindset look like in your intervention? Like what kinds of things are you doing with children so that you are supporting this idea of a growth mindset? So a lot of what I like to do, so we know that within the AAC world, aided language stimulation is best practice, mm-hmm. right? We want to be modeling language for our kids all the time. So I might be playing a game with a kid and it's like a balancing game or something. So part of that, you know, we're modeling language about putting things on and putting things up and things falling off. So part of what I'm doing during that session is adding in things like, you tried, it's hard, like using some core language to support the idea that you're learning, learning is a process, we've made an error, Mm -hmm. we're moving on. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. So, and this is- No, 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 it absolutely (laughs) makes sense. Um, And this is something that I actually- teach um, to a lot of CFY clinicians, um, graduate students, all of the uh, new clinicians, they have this idea that they don't want to hurt a child's feeling by giving them feedback that that was not right. Um, The easiest example is articulation, right? It's like, you know, a kid's trying to say S and they're not saying it right. And if you keep saying like, 
yeah, good job, good job, you know, but they're not making the correct productions, that's not serving that child because they don't know where the error was. Um, but I think that it can be intimidating for young clinicians, especially new clinicians, because um, they don't want to hurt feelings. Um, and I think that that idea, um, the idea of giving constructive criticism um, is sometimes hard for clinicians. So what would you, what would you say to a clinician who's like, yeah, but like, he's just trying so hard. He's doing so good. Like, I don't want to discourage him. So the way you frame it is you don't say no. Carol Dweck talks about saying not yet. Mm. So when you're very specific and like, oh, not yet. And then you provide the pathway. But if you do this, then you'll achieve it. Mm. I love that. Not, not no, just not yet. <laughs> because that, that implies that eventually you will get there, right? Absolutely. I love this. So then how, I mean, we kind of touched on this already, the importance of aid language simulation, which we know is important for our children who are using AAC. Um, I love some of the language that you talked about. So let's kind of talk through some ideas maybe about how we can utilize core vocabulary. Um, you mentioned you tried and it's hard, which I really love those. Are there right. any other- yeah, there's a, there's a lot more that I've sort of tried to think about really like just on a core cool board, right? So right. you can go for it. I right? love it. You, you did it. Do it. I'm like writing these down because I really want to like practice them in my own session. Well, I, I mean, I just sort of want to open lamp. My favorite. To no, play I, with. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Just look at it. So let's, let's go back where we were. Like, it, there's just so much, but it's, you know, the do it, the go for it, the mm-hmm. you can do it. Mm-hmm. And just delving into sort of the problem solving and so providing mm-hmm. like a visual representation of a growth mindset philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's not that you have to have a growth mindset curriculum. It's not that you have to do something special. Although if you do want to do something special, I do have some fun resources. Awesome. We'll have to get this from you and link in the show notes. Um, so yeah. all the resources. Yeah, no, that's, 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 do you know Class Dojo? No. Classroom, do, classroom Dojo? No. Oh, so they have a whole um, behavior treat, like, I guess behavior data collection thing that a lot of classrooms use. Okay. Um, but they also have a YouTube channel um, and he has, they have some fun sort of growth mindset build, um, videos. Oh, we would love actually, if um, you could send those to me via email, we would love to just add these to the show notes for resources will. for people. I will. And all me, this all me, the pig is really fun. Yes. I have seen him actually. I've seen those animated shorts. I oftentimes will use animated shorts in my therapy. Uh, I just think they're a really great way to support language and to aided language input. And I have seen Ormy the pig. Um, so try my playlist. Right. So try trying. That's it. That's exactly it. You're using a growth mindset philosophy mm-hmm. to target. You know, just as the vehicle, as the activity to play with other goals. Mm-hmm. So for a clinician who's like, okay, like I think I'm kind of grasping what a growth mindset is. Like, what's something that they could do in their session tomorrow that starts getting the ball rolling with a growth mindset? Like what's something that's super easy that they can just say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to try this. I think that what you have to do is you have to realize that people and a lot of clinicians will think they have a growth mindset, but often people that have tendencies towards one mindset or another don't necessarily have it all the time. So I think the best thing I can tell a clinician is actually approach your students with a growth mindset Mm -hmm. and find the path for them to grow 
by providing activities that support a you can do it atmosphere and build an uh, foster an environment foster like foster an environment where it's okay to make mistakes mm-hmm. and that people are comfortable doing that because communication is difficult what we're doing as clinicians for the speech and language therapists and even for the teachers you know, we're pushing kids all the time so to know that they're learning to to, to be engaged in learning mm-hmm. um so it's really to clinicians i would say open your mindset to everybody's ability to have a growth mindset. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we talk a lot about on this podcast. You know, we have to believe that change is possible. We have to believe for even, you know, kids with complex communication needs, they have the ability to learn and grow if we provide the right supports. And so I think that that's a perfect uh, piece of advice to clinicians is just start approaching all of your kids um, with this idea that they will grow and change. They can make mistakes and they can learn from them. Um, That's why I reached out to you. Well, I'm so happy that you did because this is a beautiful conversation that we're having. And I really am excited because I think it's going to inspire a lot of clinicians um, and kind of piggybacking on that. Um, for people who maybe this is the first encounter they've had with a growth mindset, do you have any resources or books or you know people that they can you know research so that they can learn more about this? I mean, Carol Dweck is the woman who coined the phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, it was in reaction to a lot of the um, people came to her with praise-dependent workplace um, young adults who had grown up in an educational system where we were afraid to give that feedback. Mm-hmm. And they need praise and awards and badges all the time. And it's driving employers nuts. (laughs) So this was where Carol Dweck sort of started to to move away from the idea that this is how we treat people in schools and what can we better do in education in terms of educational philosophy to support independent learners. Mm -hmm. So if you want to really dive into it, Carol Dweck is the woman to follow and YouTube videos that you can look at. There's tons of research. Awesome. So what about for the clinicians that don't buy into this idea of growth mindset? <laughs> like what are the, what are the criticisms of growth mindset? Are there any, are there people who are just like, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is, this may be a broad generalization, but I'm assuming. No. Well, when I, when I put out the question on the model motivate um, Facebook group, there was one reply, which was a woman who gave me some meta-analysis and I looked through it, you know, and, looking at studies that have shown that growth mindset does not support any academic gains within students. Mm. But so this is where I was, and I didn't post, I'm not so good at Facebook, but what I thought was it's more than that. And, And I sort of have the example of, I have a lot of children, but my third kid over the summer, my school, the school that my boys go to really follows like this growth mindset philosophy. Um, and it's really embedded into their curriculum, which is awesome. It's partly why I love it. And they rented this adventure playground and his two big brothers bound through it and this little tiny power, because he's really small, goes, doesn't, doesn't give up. He stands there and he goes, I can do it. I know I can. And like, he totters through it. And I didn't have to say anything. I didn't hold his hand. I did nothing. But like, I saw the look and then I saw the inspiration. And this is actually the same boy who last week, he's a little bit dyslexic. Um, I posted on Instagram. He took a Pringles lid 
Um, he's seven years old, and the hole in the Pringles lid, he called it the laser beam. And as we're reading, and he's doing his Hebrew reading, not even his English reading, because the school does both languages. And he's laser beam reading each letter with the Pringles lid. <laughs> so what did he do? He has a growth mindset to go find the 80 tools he needs to support his reading. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking this morning at breakfast, I was like, how's school? He's like, it's fun. And I was like, that's great. Because school wasn't fun when I was seven years old and trying to read. Mm-hmm. So it's really... That's why I think growth mindset is important, not because of the academic gains, but because of what it gives you as an individual and how it makes you feel about everything in, 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 in that you approach. And I think the other important thing to remember too is that, you know, of course we could try to support this by telling students, you know, and giving them the language of you can do it and, you know, all of the, the, the phrases that we used earlier, go for it. Um, but I also think it's important for kids to see the way that we talk to ourselves um, and to model that for ourselves. If I'm trying to do something challenging, um, <laughs> there's a game that I was playing with a student uh, last week. And there it's, it's this game that gives you all types of like gross motor activities to do. Um, and some of them are really hard for me to do. It's like stand on one leg and like, you know, pat your, your head as you're like jumping up and down. It's like all these really intense things, you know? And so I can just imagine myself using that language. Like, okay, this, this feels hard, but I can do this. I'm going to do this. I think it's important that we model that language to kids because, you know, kids learn more from what we are than what we teach. And I think that parents can do this. I think that teachers can do this. I think clinicians can do this. Um, so just as important as, as it is to talk to our students and tell them that they can do it, I think it's important for students to hear us telling ourselves that we can do it. So I think also, you know, if you do like a core word of the week, mm-hmm. then you can add in some sort of growth mindset statement mm-hmm. um, into that, you know, whatever the, maybe the five suggestions that you're giving the, the family. Um, love, just so love. And then I'm, I'm just like going off of that too. Then we can encourage social language with that right? We can have a peer say to another peer, like you can do it. Um, I feel like that is another layer to that, which could just be so beautiful to see in a classroom setting, especially. Yeah. Love, love, love this. Gemma, thank you so much for sharing all of your information today, all of your wisdom. Um, how can people reach out to you if they want to talk with you about growth mindset? <laughs> I, I guess I have a website, which is Gemma White SLP. Um, awesome. And then I do my Instagram. I like that. I've started to try and be better with, um, so my Instagram is a spoonful. Um, which really, it came from the feeding therapy. <laughs> my business is a spoonful of sugar. Oh, I love that. I love it. Mary Poppins. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what they used to say. I would walk in with a bag of all sorts of interesting things. Um, that's completely where it came from. Um, and then my Facebook, I'm will respond to messages and I'm trying to engage with the groups better. I joined your group recently. Amazing. Well, we're happy to have you as part of our uh, Facebook group. If you guys listening have not joined our Facebook group, head on over there. It's a really great place to be. Um, lots of cool conversations going on in there. Gemma, everybody we have on the podcast, we ask one question and that is this. If you had a billboard that every SLP could see, what would your billboard say? That's a very visual question. It is. <laughs> we, we're so all about visual we're all about visual supports on this podcast so so i guess it would have to say very little say don't say no and then in very big it would have to say not yet 
And I guess underneath it would have to say, it's your responsibility to find the right path to help your child, your clients learn to grow. Love that. Love that. So of course, of course, it's supporting that growth mindset idea. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk with us. And I know that our listeners will appreciate this conversation. Um, so I would encourage everyone who's listening, think about this idea of a growth mindset. I was say, if anybody has any research ideas of how to actually go about researching it, I'm much more clinical than I am research-based, but I do think that there might be something out there. I love this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, if you're listening, definitely think about how you can incorporate this into your practice because I think it's really important that we foster this idea, even more important for children with special needs um, in our community because I think that oftentimes kids get very discouraged very quickly. Um, and this yeah, idea- Yeah, it's like the, like the learned helplessness that people have. It's like mm -hmm. it's avoiding the idea of the learned helplessness. Absolutely. Like a lot of those, I don't know how many young, young adults you work with. Sorry, I can talk about this forever. No, I don't know. How, I don't know how many young adults that you work with, but they definitely have an idea of learned helplessness. That when, I mean, if you foster a growth mindset, you can avoid that. Absolutely. Well, Gemma, thank you so much for coming on. We will link to everything in the show notes so that people can access uh, your website and they can follow you on social media. For Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Madel, joined with Gemma White. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you guys next week. Hi, I'm Mayling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.